Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. We're going to be talking UFC on Fox, Van Zandt versus Watterson. But it's really uh, UFC Sacramento, Juban versus Perry, right, Sean? And Indeed it is. And, you know, not a lot going on on this card, especially if you're a betting guy, but hopefully we can dig in and you'll hear something you like and we can dig some gems out of this giant turd. I mean, this is literally one of those situations where we're either going to look like geniuses or like idiots because, I mean, some of these plays and some of these picks, it's going to be pretty controversial, man, and this is one of those cards. But let's start off with the featured fight pass prelim, man, because we've got Eddie Wineland. He's minus 220. The comeback on Takeya Mizugaki is plus 180. I mean, two pioneers of the bantamweight division. We all remember them from the WEC days. And, you know, maybe back in the day I'd fade Eddie here. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, the dude fights with his chin up in the air and his hands down. And at least with Mizugaki, he does throw straight punches. He's more of the crisp fighter. But Mizugaki is so far gone that it, that doesn't even matter anymore, man. I mean, you know, you guys recall his five-round war with Miguel Torres back in the day. That, that's the kind of durability that Mizugaki was known for. But nowadays, he's getting knocked out in under a minute more than once by Dominic Cruz, by Cody Garbrandt. I know they're the two guys fighting for the title, but when you get knocked out in under a minute in that kind of fashion, it all adds up, man. And... Uh, you know, even though Eddie is on his way out too, you know, he's had more than one broken jaw. We know the deal with the broken jaws. Uh, he had a, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit life. So a little bit of a, something left in the tank in that last fight against Frankie Signs, man. And I think that's going to carry over here, the confidence that he got from that victory. And I think he'll take a win here over Takea, bro. Yeah, you know what? I agree. But this, like, talking to a couple guys on Twitter or betting Wineland, I can't really... I'm not saying, oh, that's a bad pick. What are you doing? It's it's probably a good pick. You're probably going to win. But this fight is like this card in microcosm. Like, we don't really know anything. We've seen guys like Wineland get completely blown apart, look completely finished, do things that they don't normally do, look like they can't pull the trigger, get their faces broken off a thousand times, and then come back and get a win and then completely go back to where they were. We've seen guys do that, fall apart, get a win, and look good for three fights. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wineland is one of these guys who you could basically be pretty sure that he's done. And then there's so many guys that you can name that you're like, that guy's done. And then they have, like, a resurgence in a second career. He's really not that old. You know what I'm saying? Like, the skill is there. But honestly, have the flaws ever, ever gotten any better? You know what I'm saying? The things that you, that you are scared of when you bet on Eddie Wineland, uh, you are still scared of. They've never changed. You know what I'm saying? His head is way up in the air like a, just a shining lantern just asking to get crushed. <laughs> um, it's just out there, man. And his hands are always down. And, and he fights off of reflexes, and everybody who watches fights know what the first thing to go is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's super dangerous. On the other hand, Mizugaki has always been super tough and super durable, and now he's getting drilled and crushed. And you could look at the, the particular situation against Dominic Cruz as like, well, I think anybody who gets in that position and then machine gun in the face no matter how light of a hitter you are you're probably not going to recover those were seriously fast 
punches in a seriously bad predicament where he couldn't you know, protect his face at all. And then Garbrandt is touted as the, the biggest hitter in the division. Who knows, really? But, yeah, okay, got caught cleanly. But there's you can't not apply the ideas that you're applying to Wineland to Mizugaki. Uh, can Mizugaki put something back together and go on a two or five, three fight streak? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Can he all of a sudden look like he's got his shit together? Yeah. Who knows? And 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 if you're looking for one of these guys who's got a little more in the tank, it's not that a consistent thing. Like you don't get to out tell this guy has more left in the tank. It's like over the course of three fights, you might be able to tell which one of these two guys has more in the tank. But fighting each other. This could be the one where Wineland looks like he's got nothing left and Mizugaki has a little bit left. It could easily be the other way around, too. So, you know, uh, that was a really long way of saying pass because who the fuck knows what's going to happen. But, yeah, if you're feeling a little daring and you think, think that you got a, you know, a good read on this fight, Wineland is probably the guy who looks like he has more left in the tank. But don't be surprised if it's, if it's not that. You know what I'm saying? If Mizugaki just comes at him, buzzsaws him, hits him on the way in, grabs him, and holds him there for a little while, and that breaks apart over and over again. And, you know, Wineland has his moments, and it's super close and competitive, and you're sweating your balls off. That could happen. It's a clear pass, but I think the firepower of Eddie Wineland will be the difference here. At least it should, but, I mean, the keeping your hands down and your chin up, that's a real thing. These are still four-ounce gloves. You know, it doesn't matter what uh, happened to Takea in his last fight. He, he could do yeah, that to Eddie here yeah. if he catches him, you know? And and did he get up for the signs fight because he thought that was going to be his last fight and then he did good? Is that that was at home, correct? Right, that was Chicago. Did he get up because of that? Let's just say he did. We don't. We don't. Yeah, we don't. I don't know. We don't know, man. We don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough one because both these guys are headed off the fucking cliff for sure, and it could happen in any fight. And two guys who are definitely going off the cliff, fighting each other. It's a guess, you know what I'm saying? That's what that is, the total guess. Might be fun while it lasts, though, a little uh, WEC yeah. nostalgia. Yeah, man, guesses are good, too. Don't think I'm against guesses. Sometimes you get a hunch thing, don't don't tell it to shut up, listen to it. Just, yeah, uh, this is the guy who I think is going to win. I'm going to bet on that guy. Go ahead, do that. That's good sometimes. And speaking of the guy that I think is going to win, we got Josh Emmett, who's minus 190, and the comeback on Scott Holtzman is plus 165. You know, normally we save these kind of fights for the end of the show, but uh, Sean, I think we can get this one out the way quick. And, you know, Josh Emmett, you know, he's the kind of guy that you probably don't want to fight. And the reason why is, I mean, he's just uh, he's a little he's a little muscle head. You know, you hit this guy on the top of the head and you break your hand. He's that kind of guy, Sean. You know what I mean? And it's just you can hit this guy with everything and he's probably going to keep walking forward. He's going to throw his own bombs you know, he doesn't ha quite have the, the platinum parry power or anything like that, but uh, he's just a tough guy to deal with. And with Scott Holtzman, I mean, you know, you, <laughs> you talk about the deepest weight class in the UFC being, you know, the 155-pound division, and this dude uh, is probably towards the bottom tier of the deepest division. I mean, when you struggle with Anthony Christodoulou, Cody Pfister, and Drew Dober, I mean, that I think that, uh, you know, no disrespect, but I think we know exactly where we stand, Sean, and got to go with Josh Emmett here. Yeah, I I totally agree. On a card that like we were talking about, where betting wise, oof, there's not a lot. You're looking for a guy with a reasonable price who you think is going to win. I looked at Emmett as that guy. 
he's down to 200. I'm like, oh, that's playable, isn't it? And then when I go and look, I realize that I really don't know anything about Emmett. Like, <clears throat> he's floating around. He's an alpha male guy. I really had to check up on him on his first fight in. I wasn't impressed. I get it. He's kind of workman-like dude. He's 31 or 32 or something like that. He's not young. Um, you know, he seems like he's going to win this fight because Holtzman, uh, you know, a guy with no identity, uh, a, a blown-up middle-of-the-country record, uh, you know, totally, like, a bust as far as what people thought he was going to do versus what he was going to do. You know, he looked to be having some potential. I expected him to be middle of the road. He's well below middle of the road. So it looks like Emmett should have this one in the bag. If I had more information on Emmett and I had a a better grasp of what he can really do, uh, minus 200 for Emmett is, is reasonable and probably a decent play, but I, I don't feel like I know enough I feel like both these guys could basically end up in the same place. So, again, I'll pass, but if I had to pick somebody, it would be Emmett. I mean, with Emmett, you know, he's knocked out Christos Giagos. He uh, had that fight with John Tuck. So, in my opinion, he's beat better guys than Scott Holtzman. So, I think he's proven enough to get this victory. But, you know, if this was a different opponent, then... I'd be agreeing 100% with your points. I mean, your points are true. I, I I'm agree, just saying, man. In this spot, it's like, you know, Holtzman really is bottom of the barrel. Unless he's made some huge improvements that we don't know about. I mean, I I totally agree with that. He's just He has beaten better guys. He just has not beaten good guys. Uh, especially Tuck, who's... You want to say a win against Tuck is a quality win because when you think of Tuck, sometimes you think of the times that he's looked good but the vast majority of the time i mean he's super inconsistent you have no idea what you're getting out of him i don't know where to you know what i'm saying i don't know how to quantify josh emmett's wins and uh, yeah. and i mean i'm certainly not betting it i'll tell you that right now so uh, yeah i'm with you on that and next... just two guys just floating out in the middle of nowhere really not going to make it anywhere <laughs> Minus 200 could look like the bargain of the century or the stupidest thing ever. So, you know, not many better spots, but there's better spots. I'll wait. Speaking of better spots, Sean, we got Alex Morano. He's minus 115, and James Muntasri is minus 105. They got it to pick him, Sean, but I hear that uh, you got a strong opinion on this one. That's right, I do. Finally something to like here. Uh, this should be the best fight pick, but, but my buddy Daniel does not does not feel the way I feel about this one, unfortunately. Um, you know, Muntasri, when you're betting against him, you're like, especially like Howboy, like Oliveira, that's a good example. Like, please don't give him space. Please don't give him space. And, and Oliveira gets, you know, sold out as not being that good, but he actually is pretty goddamn good, and he's got a great fighter IQ, and he did the perfect thing over and over and over again, uh, something that he's actually really good at. Really good at but, when, yeah, he's really good at it. He really is. But Muntasri, super dangerous. And, and not just because he's willing to throw something un, unorthodox and fancy at you uh, and, and throw it hard. He's pinpointing things. He sees things. He understands how to put together uh, combinations. The combination that he knocked out that one jobber with was 
was fantastic. And that's not saying a lot, but to line it up the way that he did and, and hit it the way that he did, that's, that's pretty fucking impressive. And he's, he's aggressive. He's explosive. Uh, you know, his Achilles heel is, is kind of like that Oliveira fight. If, if you can get him and take him down, you're going to tire him out and then you're going to continue to be able to take him down. And that's a problem. Uh, Morano, I remember looking through all of his fights before his uh, milk fight, and I wasn't impressed. I looked back through a couple to see what the wrestling is really like. He does not seem interested. So uh, while that could still happen, because it's Muntasri and he can be taken down, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a striking match, and I think what this really comes down to is even though he's younger, he's slower. Um he tries to hit home runs too, but he's really wide. He's really loose. He walks when he punches, like one, like left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Not, not good. Um, you know, a, a seemingly a gritty dude who wants to win the fight and will keep coming. That will not be enough to overcome the technical aspects of this fight. I feel like Muntasri is way past him striking wise, especially kicking wise. And Mutasri can take it. You know what I'm saying? If you're not making him doubt himself and you're actually battling with him, he, he can take it. If you take him down and wear him out, that's a different story. I like Mutasri here. I like him to knock dude out. I, I think he's going to look good, and I think the UFC has, you know, some stake in uh, making him look good. And remember, this was, this was originally booked for that Philippines card, right? Right. Do you remember? Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, you're asking so, me. Muntasri, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Muntasri against him in the Philippines was a make Muntasri look good fight. You know what I'm saying? And it still is. It's just moved. So uh, two units at plus 105. Sure. I like that. And, and this kind of card, that's the kind of thing that, that you got to like. I mean, I agree with, with a lot of what you're saying, but I disagree with the whole... Uh... You know, we know Murano's going to come forward, but I don't think that Muntasri's going to be able to deal with it, dude. I mean, look, Muntasri's like a poor man's version of Pettis, you know? His striking's amazing when he gets off on his striking, but oftentimes, I mean, he's always backing up into the fence. He gets clinched a lot. The only dudes he's beat, you know, unlike Pettis, the reason I said a poor man's Pettis, the only people that Muntasri's beat are like Zafir and Fister. He did beat Rinaldi, though, even though he missed weight by 10 pounds. and. Okay. Not not to interrupt you, but good example. Okay, what if those exchanges do not end up in a clinch? I do expect them to back up and look for space to kick. And then the times that that distance is closed off and his back is against the cage, what if that doesn't end in the clinch? What if Murano stops short and wants to throw punches right there? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's how I, I picture this fight going. Like I do understand that, what you're that saying. That kind of situation is... That kind of situation is still in Muntasri's favor because even with his back against the cage, if they're going to exchange, I still think Muntasri is sharper and quicker there. You he know, is. If, he if 100% backs is. him to the cage and clinches him every time, then you're probably fucked. But I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to look to wing at him. I want these guys to brawl. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen. And, uh, no, no, no. I, I agree. I mean, you know, Muntasri, he was on the U.S national taekwondo team i mean the dude's a badass but i, I kind of see this fight like uh kelvin gastelum versus uriah hall like yeah you know uh, you know back in the day 
You know, even though they both uh, won and got, they earned their respective spots on the Ultimate Fighter finale, you can make the argument that, you know, Kelvin's kind of being brought in to, to make Uriah look good. You know, Uriah, if they if they strike, obviously Uriah's going to win. I mean, Kelvin only wings big hooks, right? Kelvin's, you know, the short, fat dude. Th this just really reminds me of that, man. I just feel like Murano's grittier than Muntasser. He kind of like Kelvin Gastelum was grittier than uh, Uriah Hall. You know, even though Uriah Hall was the more athletic guy, the more technical striker, just like Muntasser is. I, like, we agree on all that. I just think that the, the will to win is going to be the difference here, and that's why I got Murano, but maybe he's not as good as I think he is. Maybe I'm overselling him here because I'm excited about the fact that, you know, you know I always fade Kyle Noak. So the fact that he did win that one for me, maybe that's making me overlook Muntasri, but I just feel like it's a fucking poor man's Pettis situation, man. It's a Uriah Hall situation. He does have all the talent, but he he fails to pull the trigger most of the time, and you know he loses a lot. He's inconsistent. I mean, he, it it could totally be like that. I just look at the 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 situation that you're talking about arising, where uh, the fight gets closer and closer and closer, and then eventually it's Murano who won't stop coming forward. And then Muntasri shuts down. That's total. I mean, that's possible, and I see how Muntasri loses that way. The way that I read this fight going is that Muntasri will be able to feel so good picking him apart, hitting him first, and so confident winning the exchanges repeatedly that he that Murano is never going to be. Uh, pressing the fight to the point where he's overcoming Muntasri. He's always going to be pressing the fight in effort to catch up to Muntasri. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't think it goes distance. I think it goes one and a half or two. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that you can suck, this guy can suck up shots from Moonpie for three rounds. So, you know, yeah. I understand, like, the, the, the thing that you're explaining could clearly happen for sure. I mean, Muntasri is the underdog for a reason. You would think. And the thing that you're explaining could happen too because, I mean, we also got to talk about the UFC experience. It's such a big deal and it favors Muntasri, you know, by a lot, man. And it, it could be that fucking, that veteran performance, you know. He's finally been in the octagon. He knows what it feels like. He could go out there and put on a show. Maybe this could be Murano's first UFC L. They all got to take it. But just based on what I've seen from Muntasri in the UFC, you know, why do I have to keep expecting him to do that fucking highlight reel knockout when he won't do it? You know, he did it against Zafir, but I mean, shit. Fucking everyone knocks out It's not Zafir. saying much. Yeah, you know? it's not saying much. But it sure was pretty. It was. It was very nice. It was very, very nice, man. Um, so, I mean, you have to hope that it's, it's either he's that much better than Murano that he can put him down as Murano's coming forward winging his big hooks. Or, you know, that veteran performance. Maybe he can outdo him all three rounds, you know, stuff the takedowns and counter him. I just have a feeling that the pressure will be too much, but we're going to have to tune in to find out because who knows, maybe, maybe Murano's not seasoned enough to do that. It's true. But, man, how about, uh, how about our boy uh, Kelvin Gastelum coming through with that best fight pick? Uh, the reason I'm bringing him up is because Murano, you know, poor man's version of uh, Kelvin in a way, man. I mean, is it? Kelvin's a badass, man. He just beat a top 10 middleweight, and uh, now he's fighting... He's v a monster. He's fighting Vitor next. 
Yeah, he's going to blow Vitor out of the fucking water, for sure. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Of all the times that you're going to break down a fight and you're going to call a fight and you're going to say this is going to happen and that's going to happen, uh, it's not super hard to get it right and win the bet, but it is super hard to nail the fucking fight. And we did indeed nail the fight. I, it was I was on the over there, and it was super fucking scary. Uh, did I cash? didn't think that he'd be able to... It did, yeah, but by seconds, you know what I'm saying? Like, not by much, man. Um, whew, I didn't think he could knock Kennedy out. But he was hitting Kennedy with the final combination. Holy shit, man. That's some high-level shit, dude. That is. It just is, man. And he's got some willpower on him. He's going to be around for a while. I have no idea why his fucking weight-cutting and his like his actions inside the cage don't seem to be the same fucking guy and not like they're not connected. But when he gets those connected, yeah, man. And you know, the idea of him staying at 185 doesn't seem like a terrible idea anymore. He strikes me as one of these guys that, you know, he's probably like been good at everything that he's ever done. And that's not discrediting him. That's kind of like giving him a compliment. Like he's, you know, he fucking won the ultimate fighter. He was the last pick, but he, uh, but, you know, he was, like, the youngest guy on the show. He won it at, like, 21 years old. He's an overachiever in a way, man. I mean, like, he he's, a, he's like, the smallest middleweight, and he's whooping on he's, – he's undefeated at middleweight. Yeah. Dude, you know, and two guys who should probably have been done is his record at middleweight, but whatever, man. He's looked good there. He's, he, he's going to he be around for a while. It. He's got something going on. I yeah, mean, he's got something going on. He's he's the real deal. Real middleweights lose to those guys that he beat. So, you know. Oh, That's but right. but w- what I was gonna say, the reason I brought it up is because, like we always talk about, some people thrive under you know at King's MMA and others don't. Man, you know, like Jake Ellenberger, he trains at the same place that Kelvin trains at. <laughs> you know, he's mentally broken, man, but. Kelvin thrives at King's MMA, so it's so cool to see a guy like him and a guy like Benny, you know, their evolution, man. Yeah, it's fun. He's good. He definitely is. And this is a good fight, man. We got Colby Covington. He's minus 360, and the comeback on Brian Barberena is plus 300. I mean, basically, I just got one question for you, Sean. Can Brian Barberena stop the grind of Colby Covington? I don't think so. I think uh, this is one half of my biggest bet on the card. I think that Barbarena is tough enough to not get subbed. <clears throat> I think he's tough enough to make this competitive. I think he's strong enough in certain situations where he's got his back against the cage to put Covington's back against the cage instead and land some of those elbows and and, and make it a little close like that and make it to the distance. Because half of this bet is the over in this fight. Um, the other half is later, but no, I don't because I don't feel like Colby Covington is going to put himself in enough dangerous situations for Barbarina to take advantage of. If Covington wants to test his striking and show what a tough guy he is, this is going to be, that's dumb. And this could possibly be bad if he does that. What he needs to do is do what Colby Covington does and just take him down, take him down again, take him down again, take him down again. Just do that. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry if you're catching shit about being boring. Just 
keep doing that because this guy is too dangerous to fucking play with. We've seen it a thousand times. He's not, he's not great, but he's tough as shit. He's pretty smart. He's gritty as hell. And, and when it comes down to it, he can hurt you in, in numerous ways. Um, but in this case, I think the gap in the wrestling is too large. Uh, but I do think Barbarina holds on and I think maybe even he can win around. So take a look at that points when it comes out, but I like the over here, but I like, uh, Colvington or Covington, you know, 29, 28. Barbarina is a badass, and he's come through as a big underdog twice in a row, man. And obviously as a fan, I'm going to root for Barbarina cause I love his style, but I mean, if he can't stop that grind, he's going to lose. And the thing with, uh, with Covington is he can keep it up all three rounds. That was always my question with him, but he's proven it to me that he can do it all three rounds, man. He's relentless. But if Covington goes in there and, and decides, you know, I'm a striker now, because you know how you know how these wrestlers get sometimes, man. They get yeah, a, they, they, they get a couple finishes and then they think that they're strikers. So if he if he tries to take that approach and he doesn't stick to his roots, you know, he could lose this fight for sure, but it, it's all in the, right. it's all in the approach here, man. So if he's gonna do that, this is the dummy. This is this is the dummy situation where these guys get a little bit high up and they start catching shit for being boring, and they go, "Ooh, I got somebody who's who's surely I can beat standing, right? Let's <laughs> let's see what my stand let's see what my stand up does," and they test that, and you're sitting there watching them going. Why are you doing that? You know what I'm saying? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You're making this way closer. And and this has historically happened, you know, quite a few times. So hopefully Covington is smarter than that and he doesn't let his ego get the best of him and he just gets takedowns. You know what I mean? That's what he needs to do. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, Brian Barberena is known for weathering the storm, but it's really hard to weather that Colby Covington storm, man. He is relentless all three rounds, so he should be able to get it done. I mean, unless uh, Barberena's got some some tools that we don't know about in, in the wrestling department. But I mean, you watch that Sage Northcutt fight. Sage Northcutt did exactly what Colby wants to do in that first round, but Sage couldn't keep up that uh, you know that pace. I think that Colby can. So, once again, it comes down to fighting smart and if he's able to implement that game plan. But, uh, like I said, man, as strep a... Strep throat, bro. Strep throat. Yeah, exactly, man. Definitely strep throat. It's all about the strep throat. Yeah, as, yeah. A, as a fan, you got to go with Brian Barberena because, you know, I mean, it's he's a badass. The way he broke Warley Alves, that was that was fun to watch, man. So, But most likely, Colby Covington grinds it out. Next up, Mizuto Hirota. He's minus 120. And the comeback on Cole Miller is plus 100, and uh, hey, Sean, you know, I think I'm more excited about this fight than Cole Miller is. Uh, you want to hear what he had to say about uh, about this upcoming fight? Yeah, what a rip. Yeah, so he said this on Sure Dog for anyone that's wondering. Oh, it's crap. You know, I come in here, I did a, training, a full training camp, nine weeks, uh, was away from my family, and then uh, was on the way to the airport, um, you know, that's when the hurricanes were going on down here. So I called ahead myself, transferred my flight to go out of Atlanta instead of down here in Fort Lauderdale to make sure that I made my flight, that I wouldn't miss my fight. Was uh, Drove all night, got into Georgia like 4 in the morning, woke up at 8 in the morning, was on the way to the airport when I got a text saying that the, uh, you know, the whole event was canceled. And I was like, ah, uh, that sucks, you know. And then um, got less than a third of my show money. 
Um, so I came out of the training camp, I think, so nine weeks away from my family, I think I profited four or $500. So that worked out pretty good for me, you know? And then uh, instead of getting rebooked two weeks later, I get rebooked two months later. So I have to come to a, another second training camp to get paid for one. So that's what it feels like. I'm here, I don't even wanna be here right now. I don't, it doesn't make me wanna fight harder for my family, it makes me wanna fight less. It makes me wanna quit, go get a job at Starbucks or something. 10th year in the UFC. Sean. Yeah. How, how does he really feel? I don't know. I think he's lying. I think this is going to be the best camp of his life and that he's full speed ahead and he's going to start his title run this Saturday. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> like, that's, that's as bad as it gets. Oh, boy. That's as bad as it gets. Holy shit. I mean, poor bastard. Should I play the rest of it? <laughs> do, oh, do we? Do we? I, 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 I want. I want to spare. That, he was bad. I, I want to spare the the gracious supporters of half the battle, and you know, let, let's just talk about the fight. So th that's the kind of mentality Cole Miller's coming into this fight with. Uh, would you want your money anywhere near someone that says, uh, "I don't even want to do this next training session"? I just. It doesn't make me want to fight harder for my family. I feel like I want to quit. Is that the kind of guy you want to bet on, Sean? No. No, it surely is not. Yeah, it isn't to it's me either. It's not good. And, but anyways, he's fighting a guy who's super hungry, who wants his first ever UFC victory. You know, Mizuta Hirota is a guy that... I don't know if you guys recall when Shinya Aoki broke this dude's arm and then flicked him off and there was this whole controversy. Well, the dude that got his arm broken was Mizuto Hirota, and he didn't tap out. He let his arm get broken. That's how tough Mizuto Hirota is, and that's the only time that he's been submitted in his entire career. And this guy's been around the block for a long time. So after a moment like that, you're like, you know, you know, you give him a pat on the back, and it's like, you, you had a good run, man. But it didn't end there with him, man. I mean... He, uh, he went back on, you know, on the reality show because he had a failed run in the UFC. He wanted, he wanted redemption. He wins the reality show, makes it to the finals, and it's him and uh, Teruto Ishihara. In my opinion, Hirota won that fight, bro. But you know what it showed me, though? That in his last fight, he was in there with a young stud. In Cole Miller's fight, he was in there with a young stud with Bruce Leroy. One guy got fucking destroyed. The other guy was competitive. Hirota was completely competitive in his fight, and uh, he's taking the proper amount of time off since a war like that. I think he's going to come in here hungry, man. Now, I understand there's a 7-inch reach disadvantage, but, I mean, fucking, what, didn't Nam Pham have a, a similar uh, reach disadvantage when he beat Cole Miller? Look, Cole Miller is 3-5 and five at featherweight. This dude's weight, this dude shouldn't even be fighting at featherweight. He should be fighting at lightweight. And, uh, you know, he's been knocked out multiple times by fighters like Efrain Escudero. I mean, it, dude, I got 2.5 units on Mizuto Hirota. So, uh, best of luck to me. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this is either going to be a genius or an idiot situation. But uh, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling yeah. good about it, and uh, I'm planning on cashing here. Uh, as a guy who who values the context of a situation above almost everything else, I really want to be uh, with you on this one. I don't think it's it's really fucking tough. It, it's like 
everything that you think about Cole Miller certainly appears to be true. And that's exactly the things that I'm looking for when I'm like, this guy isn't worth a shit right now. He doesn't want to be here. Yes. He totally fits the bill on this one. There's a couple mitigating, mitigating circumstances that kept me away from this one. I think Hirota is 36. He might be 30. He might be older. He's around 36. Um, long trip from Japan, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like we know how those we know how those uh, Japanese guys have in Japan. And for every word that Cole Miller says, I think the thing that Cole Miller does is when he's getting slapped around, the dog can come out a little bit. And and he's not. He certainly sounds like he's rolling over in his personal life as far as how he feels about fighting but you don't see the dude roll over in the cage very often. Uh, he was on the other end of a blistering ass beating by Alex Caceres in that last fight and almost won it at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like the guy is a tough guy. And I think when he's in a situation where he needs to go on autopilot and fight, I think that takes over and he goes on autopilot and fights. Um, Certainly Cole Miller at his best versus Hirota at his best. Cole Miller uh, beats him. I definitely think that. In this situation, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? You, I, I hope you're right. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm certainly rooting for you. But the, the physical advantages of that humongous height advantage and, and the humongous reach advantage paired up with the fact that Hirota got tagged all kinds of crazy ways by Ishihara and Cole Miller, while he doesn't have the best anything, he's got a pretty goddamn good jab. Does he keep this at range? Does he jab one, two? Does he get confident and start feeling good and then take over? Uh, is he is he tricky enough on the ground to, to, to sweep and or sub Hirota? Those kinds of things. But what I hope happens, because I'm rooting for you, is he comes in wants a paycheck and then goes and is going to look for a Starbucks job after this and just completely rolls over and, and gets beaten up. I hope that happens, but I'm not feeling it. I've been to two of Cole Miller's fights live. I saw him fight Sam Cecilia and I saw him fight Alex Caceres. So I was at Cole Miller's best ever performance and I was at his worst ever performance and when you talk about a fighter on the decline I don't think that there's any more evidence needed than that and you talk about how Hirota got tagged by Ishihara and there's no denying he absolutely did but you got to compare the speed difference to to Teruto Ishihara to Cole Miller I mean it's it's night and day we know Ishihara is 10 times faster than Cole Cole's not that kind of guy man he's you know he's a fucking tall punching bag kind of guy uh tall man's defense like I said, he's fucking three and five at featherweight anyways. You know, he loses to all kinds of shitty guys like Nam Fan. It, you know, it, it, and his last two fights, you know, the one with Ehlers, he could have continued. Don't don't tell me he couldn't have continued, man. He could have he could have straight up continued, man. We've seen way worse shit in the octagon and you, you know, even in the early days of the sport and the mid days of the sport. I mean, what about when uh Faber fought uh when Faber fought Mike Brown with two broken hands. And then you see a guy like Brian Bulls who broke one of his hands and he quits in between rounds against Dominic Cruz. So different people have different mentalities, Sean. And um, I feel like Cole Miller is, is checking out completely. I mean, he admitted that he was checking out in that clip that we played earlier. But 
in the Jim Ayler's fight, I mean, don't you think he could have continued, bro? Was that an eye poke? It what was, happened? It was, but you know how it goes. It's like, all right, let me take the five minutes. Let me take as long as I can to recover. You know, see how I feel. I really want to fight. Yeah. With, with him, it was like I remember that. It, with him, if it, you're looking to get out, sorry, if you're looking to get out, that's an opportune time to get out. You know what I'm saying? It's just wait that out. Yeah, but, but we don't know because. But he didn't even disguise. He didn't even disguise it. Like he was like uh, herbs. Like let me give you some time. And Cole's like, no, I don't want time. Like you know what I mean? Like fuck this. And it's like okay, so you give him yeah. the be- you give him the benefit of the doubt. You know he got eye poked. Eye pokes, they fucking hurt, man. So hey, so no harm, no foul, right? Next fight with Caceres. He comes in there as a minus one seventy favorite. And I mean, I was there, bro. It was a serious ass whooping. Like it was. One of the highlights of the night. It was UFC 199, which was one of the most... Yeah, super short notice, too. Which was an amazing card. Super short notice for Alex, because uh, Cole is scheduled yeah. to fight BJ, um, which is probably yep. a big letdown, which, you know, he's probably let down here. I'm not fighting BJ. I'm fighting fucking Hirota. But, man, here's the thing about Hirota, though. You know, he does. He, he is shorter. He does have the reach disadvantage. This dude's coming to fight. Look, he's never been knocked out. And uh, he's he has like ten knockouts on his record, so he comes to fight. He throws big bombs. He's solid. He's durable. The only time he's been finished was by Shinya Aoki, and I mean, fucking Shinya Aoki tapped out Eddie Alvarez. There's no shame in getting tapped out by a guy like Shinya Aoki, especially in Japan, where he's allowed to wear uh, that fucking rainbow fucking tight what the fuck does he wear that fucking those tight pants you know what the fuck i'm talking about sean yeah like yeah 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 you're not allowed to wear that shit in the ufc bro and yeah it was you know and the ref's not wearing an earpiece in the in the ufc either but anyways i feel like dude this guy's hungry he needs that first ufc victory when he fought his first stint in the ufc you know he fought rodrigo dam in brazil lost a split decision and this is you know when you think of rodrigo dam you think of the shellackings he's taken lately but I'm, th- I'm talking about old school Rodrigo Dam where he was juiced to the gills. You know, the guy that knocked down Jorge Masvidal. That's the guy that Hirota went to a split decision with. And, you know, after that, he makes his way back on the reality show, has the draw with Taru, which we all thought he won. He's taken the proper amount of time off. And, dude, he's determined he's going to get that first UFC victory, 2.5 units on the line. Genius or idiot, Sean? I, you know what? I, I'm hoping for genius. If, and if... If it was a guy who was a tiny bit better than Hirota with a slightly shorter fucking plane trip, I'd be all over it with you. Because you're you're absolutely right about the decline. You're absolutely right about the context of, of you know, the situation that Miller is in. And you're not guessing because the dude is fucking outright saying it. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a great spot. I I need somebody a little bit better than Hirota, though. A little bit better. A little younger. I don't blame you. It's just, I, you know, sometimes you got to take risks, man. And this is one of those situations, I, Yeah, man. it's a good risk, man. You know, What's the price? Uh, minus 120. I, I, you know, the- I hit it once at minus 120, and I hit it once at minus 115. Uh, so I got uh, 2.5 units to win uh, 2.12 units. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you, dude. I'm yeah. rooting for you. I think it, I think it's a good spot. I just hope he can, he can overcome. I hope that that Cole Miller shows up with his shit folded up already. 
you know what I'm saying? That's, that's really what we're looking for here, right? Like that's the idea is that any, any kind of rough like opposition from Hirota will, will make Cole Miller wish he wasn't there. That's what we're looking for. So that sounds awfully possible just coming from Cole Miller's, you know, from his own mouth. So yeah, yeah, I'm rooting for you. The, the way I hope it goes down is you remember a fight between Matt Wyman and Cole Miller? No, no, I didn't look at that one. So okay. I'd have to call that from memory. Well, so, yeah, from no, memory, I, I mean, Matt Wyman just, he bullied him for three straight rounds. You know, he was the shorter, stockier guy. Do you remember a fight between uh, Rick Story and, man, who was that fucking guy that Paul Daly knocked out in the UFC the second time? He sent him, uh, Dustin Hazlett. Do you remember a fight between Rick, uh, Rick Story yeah. and Dustin Hazlett? How, how I really, yeah, the jiu-jitsu guy. I, dude, I really want it to be one of these kind of ass whoopings. And I, I as long as, Mizuto comes out here and he's gritty about it and you know even if he gets caught with that jab in that first round just just stay together man and be determined and I think he can get that win dude so I know what you're saying you know I wish he was better too of course but I I gotta take the shot he's it's not like it's a dude that's been knocked out of it's not like it's Gray Maynard or some shit you know what I'm saying right right yeah or Diego Sanchez you know even though Diego would win but I'm but you you get you get where I'm going with this He's still a serviceable I, yeah, guy. He's totally. solid. It's obvious. Yeah, it's obvious. It's, it's yes. If he goes in there and makes it gritty, and and Miller shows up not already not into the shit, then he's gonna win. You got it. If if he slaps Cole Miller around enough to wake Cole Miller up and make him mad, and and then you've got a real Cole Miller in front of you, then there's a fucking problem. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's tough. But I'm rooting for you. The real Cole Miller hasn't uh, been around since January 2014. Just to give you an example of the last time Cole Miller looked good was the same day that TJ Dillashaw fought Mike Easton. Was the same day that Benny Dariush fought Charlie Brenneman. Okay? Was the same day that Louis Smolka made his UFC debut. That was the last time that Cole Miller looked good, Sean. He really, I mean, he really overcame a lot to show some giant balls in the third round of that Caceres fight. You know what I mean? I think, it surely wasn't enough, and he surely got the shit knocked out of him for 80% of that fight, but he was not willing to cash his chips in at the end of that fight, and a lot of people would have. So it's, it's that situation that scared me off of this, is that, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if he's mad... And that makes him sharp. You know what I'm saying? What if it goes the opposite way? I don't like, and, and, and saying that, dude, I remember when it was Cole Miller and BJ and I'm listening to Cole Miller talk and I'm like, this fucker does not want to fight anymore. And this obviously easy thing of taking somebody to beat BJ Penn was all of a sudden in question just because of the way that Cole Miller talked. You know what I mean? Like sounding like he is not into fighting anymore. And then you and saw it the worried me so much I wasn't going to bet. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, would we have been shocked when BJ Penn beat that guy that night? It's possible, man. Who knows? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think, I think it's fucking tough, but it's, it's, you know, I cannot deny the context of, 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 this fight of what yeah. Cole Miller's saying, and and I'm with you on that, and I understand why you like it. No risk, no reward. So I mean, hopefully, uh, the MMA gods want to bless me on Saturday night, and we'll see what happens, man. But next up, we right. got we got my boy 
Claudio Henrique da Silva. He's minus 225, and the comeback on Paul the Bear Jew Craig is plus 185. And, I mean, Claudio, Claudio Henrique da Silva, I mean, this dude... I mean, he's about to become, you know, the new hardcore fan cult following, you know, blood and guts type fighter. You know, the new Nikita Krilov, the new fucking Korean zombie. Like, like he's one of those guys, Sean. He, he's just such a badass. Yeah. You know, he'll weather every fucking storm possible, you know, until the day he gets knocked out. But as of now, yeah. as of now, he's weathered every storm imaginable. I mean, you watch that Ildemar Alcantara fight before he got into the UFC. And you're like, what the fuck is keeping this guy standing? And then he'll land one big shot and get you out of there. I mean, and he kind of, he's sadistic in there, man. Like, he likes to feel pain and then kick you with one hard body shot and smile at you and watch you wilt. And uh, he's not half bad on the ground either, as you saw in his last fight. And with Paul Craig, you know, he's got a lot of hype. He's a Scottish prospect. And, uh, you know, I, I love my, my boys in Scotland. You know, shout out to my boy, Will Martin. But uh, this Paul Craig dude, he ain't no Stevie. Will Martin, Martin not sold on the not sold on the Scottish guy for this fight. Yeah, that should be a that should be a tip off to you, right? <laughs> he should be all in. He's he is not. He's like, ooh, I don't know. I mean, so that's like if if Scotland guy is like, ooh, I don't know. I think us over here <laughs> should be like, ooh, we do know. Yeah. I mean, I'll, let's just put it like this: he ain't no Stevie Ray. I'll tell you that right now. He ain't no Stevie Ray. But I mean, what he does is. You know, he's one of these strong guys. He likes to clinch you up. But basically, he wants you to take him down so he can attack for submissions off his back. You know, he goes for triangles, for arm bars. And that shit might work on, you know, the regional scenes that he was fighting at. But over here in the, in the UFC, man, you know, I, I think he's in for a rude awakening in his debut, Sean. Yeah, dude. I, I watched this because I was like, ooh, I like Frankenstein. And you're right. Frankenstein right now is like a is like a good band that only you know about. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Who knows what the real ceiling is, but he's he sure is fun to watch and nobody knows who the fuck he is. Probably because he's got 19 names and nobody knows who you're talking about. Like, somebody mentioned uh, Henrik to me and I was like, ooh, I'm all over that. But I thought we were talking about Henrik versus Chris Colombo. You know what I mean? And we had a whole conversation where I was talking about Henrique versus Colombo, and this guy was talking about Frankenstein. Like, honestly, his name is a problem. He's got 70 different names. He needs to pick one and stick to it. Let's let's go with Frankenstein because that's the most interesting one. How do you uh, get Frank Weston from? Like, where do you get that from? That sounds like somebody with a horrible accent saying Frankenstein, which actually adds to the charm of his name quite a bit, right? Like like a Brazilian dude like telling yeah, you yeah. about Frankenstein, but it comes out Frank Waston over and over again. You're like, who the fuck is Frank Waston? And this guy not, not only was like, oh, I'm Frank Waston. Like, that's my name. Oh, all right, Frank Waston, let's do it. Washki Frank um, Waston. He's tough, man. And he's he's just a big fucking brick shit house. Like he's he's big. His cardio is not great, but he's not terrible. He seems to get second wins. Um, he seems to be able to to take real punishing shots that that you have. You see him hurt, and you're like, uh oh. And he's like, nope, fucking Frank wasting this shit. I'm back, <laughs> and he's back, and he's hitting you all of a sudden. Uh, he's pulling off weird subs like really fun guy so far but paul craig on the other hand when i go watch him he's another one of these guys and i hate this i hate this the most i cannot decipher what he does i don't know his identity i don't know what this guy thinks he's good at 
is does he think he's a striker? He thinks he's a grappler. He's been called a striker, but to me, he looks kind of like a shitty grappler. And like you said, like, okay with being on his back, looking for subs in this division. I don't even, like, we were talking about this earlier. I don't even know. <laughs> Dude, many guys um, imagine in this a, weight class um, imagine that make game, that work. Dude, imagine that game plan against uh, Corey Anderson. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get O'Connell in that situation. You're absolutely getting O'Connell. I his game plan does not work in this division. And and when you look at Frank Waston, those fights are not great. But the the opponents are not great. But they're they're better than everybody that Paul Craig has fought. And what we've seen him do is walk through the fire, not give up, and win. You know what I'm saying? In this, in this division, that says a lot because a lot of these guys, we see them. When they get a, you know, in a shitty situation, they don't come out of the other side. Simply coming out of the other side uh, says a lot. Doing it twice says a lot. I, I don't know who Paul Craig is. I don't understand him. I don't exactly know what he's looking for, but standing, he looks like he's in deep shit. And if he wants to play off of his back, I think he's going to get held there and get pounded. So um, I did not bet Frank Waston because I'm not thrilled with that price. And I, I, I'm so on the fence of parlaying him with somebody else that we haven't talked about. I'll talk about that again when we get to that guy. But uh, yeah, I definitely like Frankenstein here. Yeah, I don't blame you for passing just for the sole fact that, you know, like we said, this is a life and death type fighter and eventually he's going to get knocked out. Just the way he fights, it's inevitable. And who knows, maybe he could get dropped in this fight, so you'd be sweating the fuck out of that bet. But, you know, I, I just have this feeling he's going to get Paul Craig out of there, man, and it's going to be in very exciting fashion. So tune in for sure. And speaking of tuning in, Sean, you ready? You ready for the main event, bro? It's It's time. It's yeah. it's time. We got Platinum Mike Perry. He's minus 135, and the comeback on Alan Juban is plus 115. This fight is so amazing. I mean, who, which guy should we start with? I mean, with Alan Juban, what's so cool about this guy is he literally started training MMA when he was, like, what, 31 years old? And now he's about 35, and he's doing amazing in the UFC. He's got a very good Muay Thai style. He can, he can drop dudes with head kicks, with punches. He's mature in there. He does tend to get dropped at least once every single fight, but most of the time he comes back, and now he's really uh, getting that, that veteran experience. You know, that performance against Bilal Muhammad, he showed that even if he can't get you out of there, he can still win the decision. And that, to me, was a big sign of maturity, and we all thought he won that fight against Worley Alves in Brazil. And, but with Mike Platinum Perry, dude, man, you know, if you got the call that you had to fight Mike Perry, I mean, it would just, it, it's a scary proposition because the dude has an insane chin and crazy knockout power. So basically, you hit this guy with everything you have, and then he just keeps walking forward, and then he hits you, and just one of his shots rocks you so badly that it's just, you don't want to fight against this guy, you know? He, he reminds me of a, basically a white redneck version of Tyron Woodley, man. I mean, he's a short, stocky, explosive dude that can get you out of there with one punch, one kick. So durable. So what I think is going to happen here is, yeah, Juban is probably the more technical fighter, no doubt about it. And Juban can probably uh, get off on some strikes. But Mike Perry is going to eat those strikes. He's going to walk through it. 
and he's going to land on Juban. And the difference here is that when he lands on Juban, I don't think Juban's going to be able to take it, man. I actually think he's going to get Juban out of there. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Alan Juban. I mean, the dude's so exciting, but... Man, Mike Perry, he's super fun to watch. Eventually, he will go down. I mean, with that style, you're bound to get knocked out. And I know you're in your breakdown, you're probably going to bring up that amateur fight where you got knocked out. But I feel like we're looking at a different guy because in his UFC career, I mean, Hyung Yu Lim and Danny Hot Chocolate, he knocked those guys out. Look, if you're going to beat those guys, I mean, you'd assume, okay, maybe you grind out a decision. But to knock those guys out, that's a fucking statement, Sean. And, and and before you go, that's a that's way bigger statement than knocking out a uh, Brendan O'Reilly or Seth Bazinski. It's absolutely true, uh, dude. I'm about to make some some giant leaps here and some guesses, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. It, I'm so confused about Mike Perry because with his with his fight with Lim, I ended up taking inside uh, doesn't go to distance there. Um, when I look at Mike Perry, I was convinced of something. I was convinced that his chin is shit. It's not only the time that he was knocked stiff in that fight. It's all these other fights where he's just getting fucking cranked on and dropped. You know what I'm saying? And his boxing career getting knocked out. I was convinced that his fucking chin is shit. In the limb fight, he really didn't get tagged clean. Uh, Roberts definitely tagged him clean definitely had him reeling that that for sure happened we saw that why his chin is seemingly better now than it was when i first started looking at him i don't fucking know but i think i do know it's a guess the guess is he's just one of these guys like you know his background you know he's been in prison you know that his chaotic style in the cage is for sure a fucking element of this guy's life, right? He lives a chaotic life. It's no doubt. Look at him. Look at his friends. Listen to him talk. He seems like a crazy person. Did he go out and get super drunk the night before he got knocked out? Did he, uh, every time he looked like shit, did he not train? Does he not care? Uh, is he super confident now? He thinks he's the next big thing. He thinks he's going to be champion. He's going to go into every fight like this. And you just said it about Frank Waston. He, he life and death. Every time you will get knocked out going life or death. Every time when you apply no smarts and you're only face first and you're only brawling every time you will get knocked out. You can't make it to the end of the career without getting knocked out that way. That's, that's not how that works. And as good as Mike Perry looked in those two previous fights i am guessing that this guy is one fight with his girlfriend away from looking like shit you understand what i'm saying like this guy's life is on the edge of falling apart every day that's how i feel about this guy i feel like he can come in and look great and and piece you up and hurt you bad he's a sharp puncher he certainly hits hard and he's been able to take a shot so far um, against Roberts, did we really know a ton about Roberts? Were we sold on Roberts? I don't, I don't really know. There's that whole Euro prospect thing. That uh, you know well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was sold on on Danny Hot Chocolate. I mean, coming into that fight, I feel like he was what fourteen and one. And I mean, I don't, I don't know if you saw his fight against Jim Wallhead. Well, I, I fucking bet on him. So I, yeah, I, I know. I, I, <laughs> I bet on him and lost. I know. Yeah. I know it's Jim Wallhead, but dude, when you see him knock him stiff like that. 
after what he had to overcome, I was like, yeah, this guy's a fucking prospect. And then in his UFC debut one, he taps out the D1 wrestler with a triangle choke. And then he showed his fight after that that he can go life and death. That's all I needed to know that uh, Danny Hot Chocolate was legit. So for Mike Perry to walk through the fire like that and knock out a guy like Danny Hot Chocolate, that was a big deal in my eyes, dude. That that fight was absolutely up for grabs, though, until that happened, though. But it you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't take that away, and and it's like, and, you know, as much as I'd like to base this, go ahead, go ahead. And not only did it happen at the end, but it happened at the end of every single round. I mean, he knocked him out three times in that fight. You know what I'm saying? At the end of you yeah. know, at the last twenty seconds of every round, he basically knocked him out, and he had to be carried and to his he, round every single time. I mean, excuse he me, was, he had to be he, carried uh, to his corner, not his round, sorry. Mike Perry as well was on was on the edge of losing a, a few times. Um, I would love to tell you some technical shit of why I don't think that Mike Perry is going to win this fight and why I think Mike Perry is going to get knocked out, but it isn't. It really is something as stupid as, I think this guy could get into a fight with his girlfriend and just have a terrible performance. I think this guy could... Uh, go and, uh, you know, meet old buddies and get into some shit and get into, you know, like, that's what this guy, these stars burn super bright and then they just go out completely and fall off the cliff. That's what happens to these guys. On the other hand is Juban, we don't really need to go into Juban too hard. It's like, we know what he's capable of and we know what his problems are. The gas tank is probably not going to be great. That's going to be a problem if this goes into the third round. The chin? And the chin is absolutely a fucking problem. Because as much as he's thinking, oh, I'm going to kill you, and those moments are when you're going to get to him and, and, and kill him. And that's exactly something that could happen in this fight. Mike Perry could absolutely hit him once, knock him cold, and then the legend continues. The way that I see this going is that Juban will technically frustrate Perry, will stay away from him, will try to keep this technical and won't brawl as much as you're expecting Juban to do. But in those little instances, in those times, Mike Perry's back gets on the cage, Juban disengages and throws one of those hellacious elbow combos on him, something like that. Like uh, in the middle of the cage, he he throws one of those uh, low kick, high kick combos that he throws. He's got mean punches. He's got those mid-range elbows out in open space like that. It, it, for a guy who I think has a suspect chin in Perry, even though that's a leap at this point, a guy like you, Ben, is the guy who can surprise you and, and take you the fuck out. So half of this is I do think Juban has what it takes technically and power-wise to knock out Perry, and the other half is for whatever reason I want to fucking invent for myself, I think that Perry is always an inch from imploding, always an inch from doing something ridiculously over-the-top stupid, and that will happen eventually. And this is the guy that he can't let it happen against because one thing could do you in. So I'm going to take Juban here. I got a 1.5-unit bet at minus 105. Good luck, man, because when you fight Mike Perry, you need good luck, dude, because that chin and that power, that, that's all I got to say. Yeah, it's you're right. This could be a one. This is a, a definite idiot or genius moment. Well, we both got them on this card, so it's all good, my man. 
And next up... All right, let's go double genius. What do you think? You <laughs> go double genius instead of double idiot? On this I prefer double genius. Oh, yeah. And shout out to the MMA genius. That 90-day countdown is almost on. But, dude, speaking of the WC days, Uriah Faber is minus 440, and Brad Pickett is plus 350. I mean, it's Uriah Faber's last fight in Sacramento. How fitting. You know... Prime Uriah Faber whoops Brad Pickett all day, and both these guys are way past their prime. Who's look worse? I mean, you know, in Pickett's defense, he did knock down uh, Thomas Almeida recently. You know what I mean? He did go to a split decision with uh, with Cisco Rivera. That, that's about all I can say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Faber got dropped by Cruz twice, and obviously he he would have gotten knocked out by Jimmy Rivera if he didn't. I poke him a million times and kick him in the balls, you know. Yeah, but uh, you know, he had to do some veteran shit there to stay in the fight. I get it. But in this spot, I mean, do you think it's going to be the classic, you know, knock him down to the sub? Cuz I feel like uh Faber slowed down to the point where, you know, his explosiveness and his speed that he used to be known for, it's not a big deal anymore. So now when him and Pickett trade in the pocket, they could be the same speed and Pickett might actually have better hands than him. Look, I'm not going to bet it cuz you know, both guys are completely dumb, but plus 350 if, you know, if you're feeling frisky and and you did well early on the card, I don't really blame you. I mean, the fight set up for a favor to win, you know, like I said, Sacramento's last fight ever, but you know, Pickett's a fucking gamer. Uh, dude, Pickett beat Mighty Mouse, right? Should we bring that up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but no, but... Uh, <laughs> that, that it, it's true, right? It's a fact. I'm not making shit yeah. up. No, but uh, look, man. I understand why Faber's the favorite, but he, here's one thing I don't understand, Sean. Why is Pickett a plus 350 here, but he was a plus 140 to Yuri? Because of the way he got ended in that fight. You know what I mean? That's what I think. I think the way that he got steamrolled in that fight and the particular context of him not being able to win a decision in this fight, what we have, what he has to do is knock Faber out. That adds up to that number. That's what I think. It's a good He's not winning a fucking decision here. Yeah, it's a good point, man. I mean, the last time he knocked someone out was fucking Yves Jabouin long-ass time ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Good old one-punch. No, I mean one. Not gonna pull it off too. One punch was never really known for the one punch. I mean, what he was known for was sure wasn't when he made his WC debut. He went in there with that Peruvian necktie, and then everyone was like, "Who's Brad Pickett?" Then he goes in there and beats Mighty Mouse, and uh, yeah, he dude, Brad Pickett's a fucking badass, even in his losses, man. I mean, that fight with Michael McDonald, with that fight with Henan Burrell, I mean, they were throwing down. You know what I mean? So. Always got to tip your cap to a guy like uh, Brad Pickett. But at the same time, Uriah Faber, if it wasn't for him and BJ Penn, the lighter weight classes wouldn't be where they are today. So, you know, we can say they're both legends, man. Yeah, it's true. Look, Uriah Faber is a legend. And you said he slowed down. I kind of agree with you in a way. I do not think his actual actions, his punches – uh, his takedown attempts, his scrambles have slowed down. I think his willingness to do any of those things uh, has gone away. The the willingness to pull the trigger is the problem. I think when the trigger gets pulled, it's not so bad. He, he looks pretty decent, actually. Um, he was still lightning fast against Michael McDonald. I don't even know how many fucking years ago that was now. That was like 2012 what is or it, some like shit. Two? Holy shit, already? Oh, my God. Um 
Maybe, sometime maybe it was 2014. It, I, I need to look it up. Either way. Um, he still can – the things that he can do, he can still do. He just needs to do them, if that makes sense. 2013. Um, some, yeah, not that bad. Not bad. It, it, he looked great there. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. This is a Legends retirement fight at home. The the fucking California song, one more time, his fucking goofy smiling face, one more time, uh, set up for a big win for him. He's not going to lose a decision here. He's still not a guy who gets knocked out. Uh, all, he do, all he needs to do is, is pull the trigger, man. All he needs to do is pull the trigger. And, and you know, if we're talking about these guys sliding and who's declining more, it's, it's definitely Pickett in my estimations. Uh, you know that, 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 or at least Pickett did have a very close relationship with Dana White. Does Dana White know something about Pickett? Uh, this is most likely Pickett's retirement fight as well, you would think. Um, this is a setup on purpose, and the setup will actually succeed. I think that uh, Uriah Faber wins a decision here, if not a late stoppage, and has moments of making the crowd go crazy, moments of making Uriah Faber look like Uriah Faber again. Um, and when it comes down to it, if it gets ugly, I think he can – he can power double leg picket and, and get on top of him and, and win scrambles repeatedly too if he wants to. Maybe the big overhand right by itself doesn't do the trick anymore, but he's still got other tools, you know. He needs to not break his hands and he needs to pull the trigger. I had a six team open parlay with the uh all three girl fights from last week, start round two, that all cashed. I tagged on Faber and Covington to that. That's plus one fifty five now. So uh, I like Faber enough to actually put money on him here. Wow. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's dude, it's that's what I'm saying. When it, it just sometimes it's a duck. Sometimes this is set up to do a certain thing and it just will. Sometimes he's minus 650 versus Cisco Rivera and Frankie Signs and he he makes you sweat to the point where you know, you ran out the door. You came, you came back and you won, but, you know, you thought you lost the bet yeah. for sure. But uh, I wish you the best of luck. Next up, the co-main event of the evening. Mickey Gall, he's minus 125, and the comeback on Sage Northcutt is plus 105. Now, Sean, I got a couple questions for you, man. Is Mike Jackson a legit fighter? No. Is CM Punk a legit fighter? No. Is Brian Barberena a legit fighter? No. Uh, I was just making it difficult. Yes. Yes, exactly. So what we have here is we have a guy in Sage Northcutt who's 8-1 and one versus a guy that's making his pro debut in Mickey Gall. I mean, he's literally making his pro debut. I mean, the, the, he's had a little, he's had a couple amateur fights. You know, I've actually watched him go past the first round. You know, a lot of people talk about how you know in his UFC fights, he's you know he hasn't been past the the three minute mark or whatever. I've seen him go past the first round in uh, his amateur fights. It was ugly, Sean. It was very ugly, man. I mean, no setup to his punches. He just throws an overhand right without setting it up, and uh, you know the footwork is. 
I mean, he's he's a he's making his pro debut, man. But it's not a he's not some super prospect, you know. And people are gonna talk about how oh, but he rolled jujitsu with Gary Tonin once, and it's like this ain't fucking jujitsu, man. This ain't uh this ain't Abu Dhabi. This ain't EBI. This ain't Naga. This is the motherfucking UFC. And Sage Northcutt's been competing since he was a kid, and now I mean he's only fucking what twenty years old. The kid's not even twenty one. He's not even 21 years old and he's got so much experience and he's literally growing before our eyes. And, you know, I know uh, in the Brian Barberena fight, he got tapped out and it's like, you know what would have happened to Mickey Gall in that fight? Mickey Gall wouldn't have... No, hold on, hold on. We have to pause on that though. You can't undersell him getting tapped out in that fight. You have to call that what it is, which is an absolute bottom of the barrel as bad as it gets. Quit tap. A fucking panic tap. You know what I'm saying? As bad as it gets. Can't think of one worse. Actually, no, I won't even say Algermaine Sterling getting getting that one thing that he got on. Uh, what about I got one? On I got one. What about uh, what? what about Conor McGregor back versus Joe Duffy? Oh, that real quick one. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that that fucking knee bar he got so, caught into. It's what, what I'm yeah, like, it's like the situation where he's 19. Go ahead. He was 19 when that happened, man. I mean, it's like, do do you think it's one of those things? But that, now he's that, 20. Yeah, and I mean, at that age, bro, you know, even just a month is a very long time to to, to make big improvements. And he's one of these guys that he's rich as fuck. He's got coaches specialized to help him get better in every single area. I know that certain things can't be taught, such as your mentality. And if he was in there with a legit uh, UFC lightweight or welterweight, then we'd be having a different conversation. But against the guy making his pro debut, I don't see what the big deal is, man. I think this is just another opportunity where, look, Sage is better than this guy everywhere. The the, the place we need to be worried about is Mickey Gall shooting in for a team. Not everywhere. Well, the place we need to be worried about is Mickey Gall shooting in for a takedown and potentially tapping out Sage Northcutt. But the reason I'm not worried about that is because, I mean, this ain't fucking CM Punk or or Mike Jackson. I mean, this is this is actually a legit fight. And I saw Mickey Gall in a quote-unquote legit fight in his amateur days where he didn't get the takedown. I saw him get taken down. You know what I mean? I Like, I've seen what it looks like when he's in a legit fight, and it's not anything special at all and with uh sage northcutt yeah even though that shit did go down in that second round with brian barberena hey he still won the first round against barberena he dropped brian barberena i mean that that already look if you like i said man if he was going up against fucking two men off or some shit right now yeah who gives a fuck if he dropped uh brian barberena then quit in the second round but the fact that he dropped brian barberena and now he's taking on a fucking dude making his pro debut like, I feel like we know what level Sage is on, and we do not know what level Mickey's on, man. Uh, Mickey better pray he can get this to the map. But even then, man, I feel like Sage has been making big improvements, and uh, I feel like he's got something for uh, for Mickey here, dude. Any Look, no matter what, win or lose, if you give me a guy that's 8-1 versus a guy that's 0-0, I mean, and the guy that's 8-1 is a fucking underdog... Like, I put two units on it. It is what it is, you know? Hopefully my guy gets it done. And also, my guy is ten times the athlete that Mickey Gall is. And all, and the whole uh, he's not a tough guy thing, I think he proved that he's pretty tough in his fight at UFC 200. Now, look, yeah, you, you could say, oh, but that was Enrique Marine. Well, you know what? Enrique Marine fucking has, like, what, 15 pro fights? Like, 
He's not a guy making his pro debut. Enrique Marine trains at King's MMA. Enrique Marine arguably won tough Latino America. Like, at least he's a legit fighter. And Sage had the opportunity to quit in that fight in that arm bar. It was ugly. It was very, very ugly. But he had the opportunity to look for the door, and he didn't. He showed his toughness. You know, he even bled in that fight, and he came back, and... You know, to me, he's growing before our eyes. He's, he's not even 21 yet, Sean. Do you remember when Max Holloway was fighting fucking Pat Schilling and, you know, fucking Leonard Garcia and all, it, like, dude, he, it's a different story now. I feel like with Sage, he's just going to keep evolving, man. Like, this is a huge step down from anyone he's fought yet. It is going to be a big wake-up call for Mickey Gall. I, you know what? I agree with, with most of what you said. Um... Here's what I see in Sage Northcutt. I see a tremendous athlete. And when he gets a chance to style on you, a la Trevino, um, and throw a 92-punch combination with nothing coming back on him, he's going to look awfully athletic and explosive. That's true. Um, His MMA game is not there yet. Uh, his striking game doesn't seem to be there. It's really just about wild speed, right? There's no thinking or pinpoint striking or setting things up to me. He's looking for an opportunity and he's going to do some pre-programmed shit when he thinks he sees that opportunity. He's not making the opportunities. Um, I see his grappling is bad. Uh, his wrestling is not great. His takedown defense is not great. Um, the biggest thing I see wrong with him is a Jordan Meehan sized yellow streak. You can see the fight fade out of that dude's face when things don't go well. That might improve the older he gets because he's been in the situation. He knows he can get out of that situation and he, and he won't. But it looks to me like his first reaction in those situations is, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like every time, oh, oh boy, what now? It's not, it's not good. And, and, and when you see somebody quit, I, I really don't feel like that, that is a kind of thing that, that goes away. Um, I am not sold on him. I don't like him. I think he's just an athlete. He's not a fighter, and there's a huge fucking jump between being an athlete and being a fighter. You can be the most athletic guy in the world. doesn't mean you can fight at all. Yeah, but we're, um, not, we're not going against Alex Cowboy here. Like, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're going against a oh, fucking yeah, pro yeah, debuter. That, I, I, am just, I, am, I am just getting ready to shit on Mickey Gall right now. Here's the other thing about Mickey Gall. Um, okay, look, the grappling is legit. The grappling is legit to the point where if Sage Northcutt makes an oh shit panicky mistake, he can get ended right there with no chance to get out of it. I think that Mickey Gall is the kind of guy who is thinking down there, who is setting things up, who is showing you an escape that's not an escape. He's He's got that game down. I think his striking is shit. I think his cardio is shit. I think his attitude is shit. I think that he's believing his own hype right now. The things that he says about himself are are very Scoggins-like. I hate that. Like, don't, you know what I'm saying? You are not the next new thing because you have not done anything yet. You've gotten a shit ton more of attention than, uh, you know, Every other guy in your position with your amount of fights, that does not add up to a fucking thing. Like you said, he hasn't beat anybody. He hasn't beat real fighters in the UFC. 
but the skill on the ground is real. And those, those grappling matches that you're shitting on, they're not fights. You're right. But they are high, high, high level grappling matches with, with the hot shit dudes of the moment. And he put up a hell of a fight against both of them. Uh, that is the level of grappling that can end Sage Northcutt. Sean. If he doesn't get the takedown, go ahead. Remember, you know how amazing uh, Vinny Magalhães is on the jiu-jitsu scene? Yeah, and he's got, he's got some of the same problems, right? Six, Quitty, 16 Chinny. seconds versus Anthony Parosh. Okay? Yeah, man. Yeah, I uh, I understand I understand that. That's the thing. I I have no money on this fight. I didn't bet on this fight because we don't know shit about Mickey Gall other than in my estimation the Mickey Gall's grappling is enough to get rid of Sage Northcutt's grappling. If this hits the ground, I think that Northcutt is in in big fucking problems. Whether it ever gets there, I don't know. Uh I do think that Northcutt has the better cardio, so if it goes long enough, Northcutt could just simply have his way with him. I don't think Northcutt should be the underdog. I think that Gall should be the underdog. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not betting this fight because I don't trust either guy. But when I look at this, skill wise, fight wise, the biggest gap is Gall's grappling versus Northcutt's grappling. I th- I think that. Gall doesn't necessarily have to get a takedown. I think just being up against the cage, he can climb to something. Maybe Northcutt gets the takedown and gets on top. Maybe Northcutt hits him and jumps on top and puts himself in ridiculous situations. Any of those things could happen, and we don't know. But if you want to bet on Northcutt here and you're getting dog money, I can't fucking shit on you for that one. I can't blame you because he shouldn't be the dog. He should be the favorite just based on experience. But I don't know who's going to fucking win. If I had to pick some, if I had to bet this fight, like I had to, I would wait for the gall by submission prop. And that's all I would look at. And you would lose, my friend. That's why I cannot lose what I don't put out there. So I'm not putting anything out there on this <laughs> one. I will sit back. I will sit back and watch. I'll even root for you since you have a bet on it. But, uh, you know, I actually just don't like either of these fucking guys. Like, you know. Just uh, personally, <laughs> just listening to either one of them talk just bothers the shit out of me. So I'm just surprised, man. Lose. Like I'm just surprised that someone like you, who is always looking for these angles, you don't want the kid that's eight and one that trains that you know the champion Tyron Woodley brought him in specifically to train for Wonder Boy. And I mean, when you're 20 years old, you're gonna be learning so fucking fast and so quick and. I just he's going to be looking I better. picture that situation I picture that situation as like uh he's occasionally patting Sage Northcutt on the head and telling him thanks for helping me champ you know what I mean like he ain't fucking help what are you doing you ain't have fucking helping anybody why is your striking even remotely compare comparable to Wonder Boys I have no fucking clue it's not that's bullshit that's bullshit I'm sure he was there I'm sure he occasionally works with Tyron Woodley, but I'm sure that Tyron Woodley could have uh, not worked with Sage Northcutt at all and had no changes whatsoever. I think, uh, you know, maybe Sage Northcutt is fun to have around or something. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not I'm buying not saying, that, no, that no. he's a... I'm not saying that Sage would have aided, you know, Tyron in, in beating Wonderboy or anything like that. I'm saying that Tyron aided Sage in getting better. 
Yeah, sure. I can buy that, man. I can buy that. But look, I I cannot get past Krylov getting Von Flu choked because it's some bottom of the barrel crazy. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing yet. I'm a professional fighter type bullshit, and I cannot get past that that sub by Barbarena. I can't get past it. I just I I cannot say that you will get out of that situation with Gall and that situation is a super low level situation that we see so many people not even worry about when they're in that situation. Not even worry about it. They do the right thing. They keep you from jumping to the side. They certainly don't care if you're in their guard doing it. Like it doesn't no. Bottom of the barrel, it's as bad as it gets. I can't I can't take a guy who lost to that versus a guy who subs people. I can't do it. Hey, that Misha Serkinov sub was no joke, dude. That was that was serious. That arm and guillotine. Yeah, that was. It, it, you know what? It was the punch though that was surprising, right? I was assuming that he'd eventually catch a sub, but I had no idea that he was he was coming down the pipe with heat, like unscared, like fucking. You throw a head kick, I'll throw a head kick. You throw a punch, you miss, I'm gonna hit you. Like I was. He's still stiff, but he's weirdly willing to go ahead and stiffly punch you. You know what I mean? I like it. As surprised as you were that uh, Misha dropped Krilov, I was surprised that Krilov took down Misha. Yeah, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, fuck, this one's over. You know what I mean? I was like, that is a fucking horrible sign. Because as soon as his back hit the ground, his back went flat. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he shrimped automatically. I was like, oh, you're not tired, are you? And then they played the, like, you could hear the audio of one of them, both of them, I don't know who, like, crazily huffing and puffing. And I was like, ooh. If one of these guys is huffing and puffing with those big muscles this early, it's probably uh, Misha. But, no, he he showed something, man. He showed something. I don't think Krilloff is a, is a walkover. And and to hit him and sub him like that, pretty fucking strong, actually. Pretty strong. Good call, my man. No, thank you. All right, well, this main event, bruh. Even though we already talked about the main event. Between, we already did the main event. I don't know what fight you're talking about. But uh, this prelim between Paige Van Zant, who's minus 115, and Michelle Watterson, who's minus 105. I mean, what I like about Paige Van Zant is that, look, even though... It's not the prettiest when she fights out there. She's pretty, but her fighting style is not the prettiest at all. I mean, like, she's very ugly with her strikes. She's relentless, though, and she's got heart for days. That's one thing I'll never question about her is her toughness. And that's the one thing I question about Michelle Watterson, but conversely, Michelle Watterson has great technique. So it's kind of funny. You got someone in Watterson who has, you know, unbelievable technique, Versus someone in Paige who doesn't, but then you got Paige who's tough as fuck, and Michelle who you know I don't think is the toughest. So I guess I'll go with Paige Van Zandt here, Sean. Well, unfortunately, Daniel, you are on your own. Boyan Velichkovich is minus one fifty five, and Sultan Aliyev is plus one thirty five. And man, I was at <clears throat> I was at Boyan's last fight against Mike Graves, and. Dude, he, he went to a draw with Mike Graves, man. He did a lot better than a lot of us thought he would. And that fight was in Atlanta. I mean, that's where, you know, Mike Graves lives. So to go to a draw with him, that was a big deal. And 
with Sultan Aliyev, it's been a long time since he's fought. You know, back when he got knocked out by uh, Kenny Robertson, that was before USADA. Not insinuating anything, just saying, man. You got to see how these guys look under the new regulations. And it's been over two years since he's fought. He is, you know, one of the tough Russians, but he's not. He's not one of the better Russians. Let's put it like that. I think Boyan's the bigger guy. I think he's the more technical guy. And I think he's going to point fight and uh, find a way to decision victory here, Sean. Um, the the bet that I was talking about earlier that I really want to make but I somehow can't muster up the balls would be Frankenstein and uh, Velkovich parlayed. That would pay pretty nicely, um, but I didn't do it. Uh, the reason why I didn't do it is because Velkovich doesn't seem to have a third gear. Uh, there's plenty of times that I've seen him fight uh, pre and post UFC where he has a chance to win a round and he can't find the gear to do it. Um, he can't find the urgency to get his back off the cage. He can't shrimp or wall walk quick enough. I don't know what he does instead, but it's not win. It, and this is why he loses. Um, so now we have not great, decent wrestler. Can he uh push Velkovich up against the cage and drag him down to the ground and Velkovich does nothing long enough to, you know, eat time off the fucking clock and give away a round. Can he do that twice? You sure can. Can in that situation where he's lost two rounds and he's going into the third, will he find the urgency and the and the gear needed to put some shots on Aliyev and get him out of there, which he's completely capable of doing? I don't know, but we've seen him not do it before. You know what I mean? Like, uh, shitty half-ass leg kicks and weak jabs is not enough. And I, I think he should win this fight, but I am scared that he's going to do nothing instead. So I will lay off, I'll pick him, and I'll probably just be mad at myself later for not betting Velkovich and Frankenstein in a parlay. Yeah, I think you're going to be pissed off too because I don't think Velichkovich is going to do nothing. Like I said, man, I was at his last fight and he wasn't not doing anything, man. I mean, he put up a good fight against a very tough guy in Mike Graves. And Graves is a way tougher stylistic matchup for Boyan than Sultan Aliyev is, man. I mean, Graves is one of the toughest wrestlers in that division. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, but... uh you know, with Sultan, like I said, man, he's been out for a long time. We don't know how he's going to look under the new regulations. And he's kind of old, man. And uh, I just feel like Boyan's a lot stronger than him. And he's got that point-fighting style down. So I think I think you should go for it, man. I'm, but the thing is, I can't... I, I know. I really should. I can't talk too much because I'm not going for it. But honestly, I, I think it's a good play. <laughs> but uh, yeah. next up, we got Hector Sandoval. He's minus 125. And Freddie Serrano is plus 105. I'm kind of surprised by the line. I feel like Freddie Serrano should be the favorite. But I understand that Hector is the favorite because he's got so much more experience. But the thing with Freddie is that, you know, he's a former uh, Colombian Olympic wrestler. And, I mean, the dude, I mean, you saw his fight with Benoit, man. He's got some serious takedowns. He's got some great athleticism. I mean, those axe That fight kicks. killed me. Well, I, you that know. That fight killed me. Dude, I actually didn't think it was that bad, but then again, you know, when you eat a couple edibles and you're sitting front row, you know, you might find those things kind of entertaining when they're throwing axe kicks and fucking suplexing each other. But... Oh no, it was fucking entertaining. I'm just, I'm just wondering why he's doing somersaults in there instead of winning the fight when he's got a guy who's so fucking tired 
he's occasionally bending over and putting his hands on his knees. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got a guy who's bending over and putting his hands on his knees, you don't need the somersault at that point. You can go ahead and put the fucking axe kicks away. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and wrestle that dude. Well, I feel like nope, he, he didn't wrestle him. You know, he's he's three and one, and you know he thinks he's Yoel Romero. You, you know how it goes, man. But I feel like he got that experience yeah. out the way. And this guy Hector Sandoval, you know, he can throw some hands. He's scrappy. He's an alpha male guy. But uh, I gotta go with my boy Freddie Serrano here, man. There's something about him, even though he did do that dumb shit in the third round of that fight. You know, like when he dove in for that fucking uh, for that low single that was so ugly, but. I'm a fan of this guy, and I see the potential. He's just got to put it together. It, it, he needs more seasoning. I feel like with more seasoning, he could have won that last fight. You know, with only three fights under his belt, he went to a split with a guy like Benoit. That, that's the kind of potential he has, and he has the athleticism as well. And he's got a way higher ceiling than Hector, even though he's a lot older. You know, he's already like 36, but think about it like a guy yeah, like, like... Which means he's probably 42, Yeah, right? exa- exactly, exactly. <laughs> but think about it more like a guy like Yoel, where, you know, he's got freak genetics and you know he's 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 an ageless wonder you know what i'm saying so i i gotta go with freddie here but uh hector's a scrapper he's gonna come to fight so that's why i I didn't bet it man i want to sit back and enjoy it i am uh i went on quite an adventure with the odds for this fight like when i before odds came out i had serrano uh as a probable bet and then when i saw the line i was like fuck you that's not happening and then later on, I checked, and Serrano was plus 170. And I was like, that's a mistake. I can't bet that. That'll get canceled. And then maybe about two hours later, when I realized that was real, it was gone again. And I was like, oh, fuck, I missed it. I sure as shit should have bet plus 170 yeah. on Serrano. Uh, even if I think he's a dummy, even though I think he should altogether eliminate the axe kick from his fucking arsenal, like never throw one again. It's a terrible idea. Um, it, he's completely. It's completely possible he loses this fight just off of shitty IQ, just off of these explosive nonsense maneuvers that do nothing but suck this guy's gas tank out. He could completely lose this fight just by doing those things wrong. He could easily win this fight by some jumping, flying, crazy Yoel Romero type shit in one shot. He could do that. But if this goes long, I expect him to gas and 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 do those things that I was talking about that don't help at all when you're fighting a workman like Pacey local. You know what I'm saying? Like you want to do dumb shit in a real close fight where nobody's really winning any round against the local. That's how you lose. I don't like that. Um, at plus 170, I fucking really liked it, but I totally missed it. So I am off this fight. I will pick Serrano, uh, but Sandoval is, is, is no joke. And I would say that Serrano could do Wilson Hayes kind of things to Sandoval if he actually chose to do them, which he would rather axe kick. So that's why I'm not betting it. Those axe kicks are pretty athletic, though. They're awesome, and I hope he lands one and splits somebody's head in two. But so far, they're just every time he did it, I'm like, why'd you do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you want to get to Ryan Benoit, you go ahead and punch him or go ahead and take him down. But the axe kicks are not cutting it, and you're throwing four of them around, and it's it's kind of slightly humiliating. 
you never know with these judges, man. They see some shit like that, and the whole crowd goes, woo, you know, so. I mean, that shit was a fucking split decision, bro. Yeah, but it was his fault that he didn't win. You know what I mean? He could have won. He could have won that easily. He could have thirty twenty seven though. It's true. Just had to wrestle, man. Yep. So, dude, uh, Irene Aldana is minus three ten, and uh, Leslie Smith is plus two fifty five. And you know, I heard Leslie Smith has some kind of condition. I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe that's wrong. But I hear that there's something wrong with her health. Not to the point where she can't fight, obviously, but to the to the point where you know it might slow her down more than she already is. I mean, we already know that uh, you know she's like the only girl on the UFC roster to lose to Jessica I. And uh, w- you know, with Aldana, she got stopped by strikes by Tanya Evinger, but it was in the fourth round. All my friends are telling me that I should bet Aldana and the parlays. So you know, when everyone tells me to do something, I'm not gonna do it. But uh, Maybe you want to do it. Maybe you want to put Aldana in your parlays. But, I mean, that UFC debut, I mean, she's probably minus 310 for a reason, bro. So, I'll pick her by decision. But, uh, you know, you know we're passing. I know you're passing. So, why don't we get to this fight to oh, watch? I'll tell you why not. This oh, is okay, why you don't ahead. put Aldana. In, this is why you don't put Aldana in a parlay. No penis. It's simple, man. There's no penis. There's no bet. It's just that simple. You bet the over when there's no penises involved. And every now and then you get a girl like JJ who has a spiritual penis. And it's then okay to bet on JJ. So it's all about penis. So the the fight to watch (laughs) and the fighter to watch. So uh, I'm going to go first so you don't fucking steal it. The fight to watch is Alan Juban versus Mike Perry. I'm still feeling it. I mean, look, man, it's a matter of can Allen out-vet him? Can he knock him out? Because, look, if he doesn't do either of those two, bro, Mike Perry's going to eat everything he has, and then he's going to come back with something harder, and he's going to put Juban down. So, you know, it's either going to be fight of the night or one of those two is going to get a performance of the night, guaranteed. Um, I mean, I I can't, like, just pick something different just so I didn't pick what you picked. Perry and Juban is absolutely the fight to watch. There's no next closest. The the, the next closest thing is like 40 rungs below it. There's no way that, that one of these guys that there's no way that both of these guys are standing at the end of this fight. Somebody's going to get viciously knocked out. That's how this is going to go. And it's going to be fucking super fun as long as it lasts. Yes, it will. And Sean Carey. Who's the fighter to watch, man? The fighter to watch is Frankenstein. The reason why Frankenstein is the fighter to watch is because, as far as I can see, he's got a super beatable guy in front of him. Uh, And it's going to be fun to see uh, Frankenstein, you know, end him in, in, in some way that maybe you didn't expect. Hopefully it's just big, brute caveman punches. I'd like to see that. Um, but as far as guys with an unknown ceiling in a division that you can go to the top of really quick, it's, it's Frankenstein. And, and this division actually gets shit on constantly, but it's kind of shaping up to be interesting, right? Like the top guys aren't going to hang out forever. 
the champion, you know, he's he's in Cain Velasquez land. He who knows? Um, John Jones. <laughs> I'm sure he'll. You know, I'm sure he'll fight, but honestly, he's going to implode again. You can guarantee that. And then Gus, uh, who knows where the fuck his head is at. He's still a monster when he wants to be, but doesn't sound like he wants to be. And they're cultivating a nice little cache of up-and-coming guys. And um, Frankenstein, with a big knockout, can, can join those guys. So let's watch him do that and let's watch this division get better. And there's an inevitable two or three, four years down the road, big passing of the torch coming. And, and, you know, we're seeing that right now. We're seeing this division expand and and get a little better. And, you know, it's fun. I I like the big guys. Can't help it. I like, I like light heavyweights. I like heavyweights. Sean. Mm -hmm. I got some bad news. Uh-oh. UFC just started a women's featherweight division. Oh, yeah. We knew that was coming, right? I didn't know that was no, coming. You didn't know that was coming? You, you haven't heard him talking about that? Yeah, but I thought... What they, are they doing that for? I mean, they're doing Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durand to me, which, you know, won't be a bad fight. But the thing is, like... I mean, probably will be a bad fight. But the thing is, man... Like, can you make, like, 15 fucking... Can you make a top 15 in that weight class? Like, straight up, can you? Because, like, I... No. It's just... No. You have to borrow Marlos Kunin. You have to borrow Julia Budd. You have to... <laughs> you got Cyborg. You have to fucking feed Holly home. And then you've got Jermaine DeRondami. Like, that's it. That's it. And if you want to slow down a UFC card more... Throw some 145-pound girls on there. You want more piss breaks? Throw some 145-pound girls on there. Look, none of those girls are, are worth having their own division, and there isn't any more besides them. Cyborg is... It, ugh, I hate this. I hate even talking about this. Like, Cyborg, go ahead and cut to 35, okay? I know it's tough. I know, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like... It's terrible for you and all that. Guess what? It's terrible for all kinds of people. It's terrible for Luke Rockhold, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's terrible for all kinds of people. You haven't slowed down when you fought at 140. You've looked great. Man. You can make it. Stop complaining. Don't don't make us suffer through another weight class of fights. Don't, don't make tough 145-pound women's tough show that nobody's going to watch? Like, haven't you learned your lesson? Who wants these guys? And, you know, me being pissed off and not breaking down girls' fight is always a joke. But there's a chunk of it that isn't a joke. And the chunk of this that isn't a joke is that there is some dude in Dagestan that we don't know of that could have fought instead of Jermaine D. Randami. And instead of seeing this guy from Dagestan... Instead of seeing this broke dude from a fucking ghetto in, in Rio, we're going to see Jermaine DeRondami versus Holly Holm instead. And nobody wants that. We want up-and-coming Russian dudes who are crazy-looking. We want people from Brazil with scars on their faces. I don't want 145-pound, 32-year-old women. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Build the sport. Go further. No we don't want this. 
We don't, I don't know who wants this. I don't, I talk to MMA fans all the time. I don't know anyone who's all for the 145 pound women's division. Who? Please fucking tweet me. Please tweet me and tell me why 145 pound women's division is the fucking, you're into it. Tell me why, please. Because I don't fucking get it. I want a dude from Dagestan that I've never heard of who's going to throw jump spinning kicks. I want him. I don't want Marlos Kunin. Boo. Yeah. I mean, what else? Exactly. What else yeah. is there to say, bro? Nothing else. So, uh, did you did you already tell me your fighter to watch? Frankenstein. Yeah, that's right. He, uh, my fight. My fighter to watch is Julia Budd. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. throw her up there. My my fighter to watch is Colleen Schneider. But uh, yeah, my 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 fighter to watch is um. Is Super Sage Northcutt? Look, <coughs> how embarrassing would it be if you lost to a guy that was O and O? I mean, wouldn't that just be horrific? I mean, wouldn't he get cut if he lost this fight? No, they ain't cutting this dude. I mean, yeah, but as far as the fans, like this one, this is one of those. You know how uh, Mark Hunt lost to Brock Lesnar, and it was kind of a blow for the MMA fans. Sean. Yeah, I thought you were cutting out. I'm sorry, I can hear you. You know how uh, Mark Hunt lost to Brock Lesnar and it was kind of a blow to the MMA fans? Yes, I do. It was a blow to my wallet. Not that Sage losing to Mickey would be a blow to the MMA fans, but it would be a blow to MMA fighters because it's like an 8-1 and one guy should not lose to an 0-0 and o guy, like just straight up. It's just so weird that I feel the opposite way. I feel like any time that Sage Northcutt gets a win that everybody's like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Like, Ugh, they fucking gave the golden boy one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, do you know Sage Northcutt fans? Like, do you know MMA heads who are into Sage Northcutt? Besides the, the unintentional humor? Yeah, but I feel like the unintentional humor is like, is what it's all about. That's why people talk about him. Like, as, look, That's true. There's good, I can get there, behind that. There's, yeah, I think it's hilarious. There's good press, there's bad press, but as long as people are talking about you, I mean, they say that's all that matters. So people are talking about you. He's in the motherfucker. Yeah, he's in the co-main event over Uriah Faber's uh, retirement fight in Sacramento. I mean, that should tell you something. Yeah, sure. They're trying to build the shit out of him. That's what it tells me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, he's the fighter to watch because, you know... I, I kind of, I, I'd be kind of embarrassed if he lost this fight. Straight up, man. Like, I feel like this is a scenario where you have to win this, man. Like, and and if he doesn't, you know, genius idiot. Like we've been saying all show, that's been the, that's been the theme. We can call this episode genius idiot. We haven't even had a best fight pick because we don't agree on shit this this time. But the good news is. We've been tracking our best fight picks, and uh, we've been, been we've been doing pretty good. And I think next week, for this uh, this Amanda Nunes versus Rousey card, I think we're gonna have a serious best fight pick on that one. Yeah, I think so. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I think I know who I'm talking about too, dude. I feel like there's so many opportunities on that card. I mean, you got Cowboy Oliveira versus Tim Means. You got fucking Shoeface versus Vittori. And then you talk about the, the main card fights. Magni versus Hendricks. Fucking Smolka versus Borg. Velasquez versus, uh, versus Fabricio. You, you know what I mean? Like Cody versus, versus uh, 
no love is about to equal no chance. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no chance. I've got so many. I've got so many comparisons as far as experience level and what happens to guys when they're going to title fights not ready. A lot of them are boxing examples, but there's a couple MMA examples in there. None of them work out. Man, I'm really excited to launch the the No Love Equals No Chance campaign next week. Yeah. Didn't he like one of those tweets? Yeah, isn't that funny? I, I believe he liked, yeah, I believe he liked one of mine. Yeah, he liked it. All right. Good job, buddy. We'll see if he likes Ugh. this. Uh, dude, what if he's the first to knock out Cruz, though? I mean, he's probably going to get, he's probably going to look stupid for five rounds, but eventually, I mean, didn't Favor drop Cruz in that last one, like, slightly? Briefly? Eh, you know. I mean, I, did, did, he, did he ding one off the top of his head and then throw him off balance, something like that? He certainly wasn't hurt. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not going to make an argument for the cast iron, you know, that is Dominic Cruz's chin. But I'll tell you what, like, I mean, when you classify a guy with a, a sheer puncher's chance, like your one, 100% of your chance to win is to land a huge punch, is that a is that a plus one seventy ish situation? Isn't isn't a guy who can only win by landing a cannon blast like a plus two seventy five at least? He can't win any other way. Is he gonna is he gonna wrestle Dom Cruz? Is he gonna outpoint Dominic Cruz? You know what I'm saying? Like he's only got that one way. That one way. You've got one thing to do, and you're fighting the mastermind of this fucking sport. The guy who knows what everybody's going to do. The guy who invents a style that everyone's trying to copy, but he invented it years before everybody else. That guy. The smartest guy in the sport. The smartest guy in the sport versus a guy with one weapon. A guy who gets frustrated and can't talk and <laughs> is full of himself versus a super cold guy who, who every chance he gets to humiliate you, he humiliates you publicly. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this is super one-sided. We're, we're totally like doing the podcast before the podcast comes out, but I have strong opinions, as you can tell, on this one. I have a feeling we're going to be debating on John Lineker versus TJ Dillashaw, too. I, I think so, too. Yeah, because I have a strong, I have a strong feeling about that one, too. Because you already know I've been campaigning behind the hands of stone since the beginning. So, you know, I, you know I ain't about to stop here. No, I mean, I, you know what? I don't blame you, but he has... He, he has his problems you know what i'm saying like he had we just saw them we just saw them i don't i don't think he won that last fight uh, if you want to get fancy dan on john lineker and not brawl with him then you can beat him you know what i mean so there's that this is true well we're gonna get into all that shit next week is it next week or is do we have a week off uh there's a break in there somewhere Oh shit! So we got to do this uh, gambling one hundred and one podcast. Let people know the, oh, yeah, the that, philosophies behind be this. Too. That's right. Yes. Can't wait for that one. 
Yes, sir. Well, I think we need to wrap it up, uh, unlike we do with our women. Unless there's something else that you want to talk about. I mean, we got we we talked about that ass whooping Kelvin put on uh put on Tim. But what about uh what about Duho Choi and and Cub Swanson? Man, I didn't expect them to go life and death like that. I thought someone was gonna get laid out early. Hey, that deep bag of tricks. That's what we were talking about. That it's it's what happens when. Uh, you know, having, especially in my book, having a solid one-two, especially like a special one-two is going to get you super fucking far in the sport. But a, a guy who's, Cub Swanson is not new to a one-two. He's not new with moving his head out of the, out of the way. You know what I mean? Like he's not new to boxing. He's a slickster. So uh, he was not surprised by what Choi brought. He broke out some veteran shit on him and, and put it on him. You know, he, he beat the piss out of Choi. I, I understand that that was a super close fight, but that is a prospect ruiner type fight to have when you've got a young guy like that and you just get pelted all over the ring. Even, even though you hit him fucking just as much, it's just getting smashed like that is not good for you when you're that young. So did Cub Swanson just lay out the the blueprint on Duhu Choi? I guess we'll have to fucking find out next time. But Duhu Choi uh, will go far with that super fast, nice, lasery one-two, but he will not go to the top with only a super fast, lasery one-two. Dude, I didn't think he was going to do uh, Duhu Choi like that. I mean, and Cub Swanson, he had a turn up to a different gear than he has in his last couple fights, man. I mean, I feel like he really channeled that uh, that killer Cub. You know what I'm saying, man? Like, he uh, he tried to take yeah. this dude's head off, literally. There, Honestly, there wasn't a lot to look out for, though, was there? You know what I'm saying? There wasn't a ton to look out for. It was just hands. And, and, and basically just com just two combos. Um, so when Cub Swanson lands a cartwheel kick on you, you know, he's feeling confident and that happened a couple of times. So we like that. I guess we can end any, uh, potential talk of, uh, Duho versus, uh, Connor being competitive. Man, if they won two against each other, it'd be competitive, but I, I doubt that Connor would, would go out and uh agree to have a battle of one twos you know what i mean there's other things to do guys and do Choi does uh one thing super fucking good but now he needs a couple other things i think connor would out one to him but uh I he would he would yes sir he would well dude let's uh let's get out of here man i mean i think we uh i think we covered everything we need to cover man yeah, I think so. I think that was a pretty long fucking podcast for, uh, you know, Freddie Serrano versus Hector Sandoval. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and cover the shit out of that one. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know, obviously everyone can follow you at Sean Carey Tattoo. It's also Sean Carey Tattoo on Instagram, right? Indeed. Well, that's good to hear. And, you know, thank you guys so much for checking out Half the Battle. Definitely appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And please hook up the, the likes, the retweets, the subscribes. And just let people know about uh, this podcast if you dig it, man. I mean, we're just trying to get the word out there. And fuck yeah, let's keep doing it up. So follow me on Twitter at BestFightPicks. BestFightPicks.com for the plays. And until the next time, 
Let's cash these bets.